Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world's shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. You can find this podcast on my website, neilthompsonspeaks.com. That's N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You can also find me on, or find the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Please subscribe and share. Today, I'm speaking with Amy Razdo consultant extraordinaire. She runs two companies. Razzle Associates is a consulting firm that caters specifically to the IT and medical device industry, and Billable at the Beach offers tips, tools, tricks, workbooks, and templates, plus customized one-on-one time with clients. With over 15 years of independent consultant experience, I'm interested in speaking to Amy about her companies, her defining moment in deciding to become self-employed, and her tips for reluctant entrepreneurs. Let's bring her in now. Hello, Amy. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hi, Neil. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, thank you. So, first question. As I mentioned in your intro, you, you run a couple of companies, but, all, but of course, before that, you did work as, a, as an employee at company. What type of job did you do before you became self-employed? I started out my professional career as a software engineer. I wrote ERP systems. And then after going to business school, I worked several years in large medical device companies doing a variety of functional areas. Straight out of business school, I worked in marketing. Since I'd been an engineer, I wanted to see the other things. I originally thought, I grew up in Silicon Valley, so I'm a Silicon kid. I originally thought I wanted to be a startup CEO. Um, which I eventually decided was overrated and underpaid. But early in my career, I was systematically building that cross-functional experience to prepare myself to be a CEO. Interesting. So you worked in, so you started off in engineering and then you went into marketing. What do you think about marketing? Well, it was funny because we used to sit in, Um, R&D and talk about, oh, those marketing people, they don't know what they're doing. My first marketing staff meeting, my first week in a marketing department, we're all sitting around and people said, those engineers, they don't know what they're doing. So it actually has been a strength in my consulting career to be able to bridge that gap between marketing and R&D because I've worked on both sides of the table. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I worked in, in engineering. I never worked in marketing, but one of the benefits of us engineers is we can work in marketing, but they can't work in engineering. <laughs> so we have to That's true. Every time. <laughs> you know, with That's an true. Degree, I, I tell people all, all the time, with an engineering degree, you can, you can move into any sort of field you want, really. It's, it's really limitless. That's true. I have a 13-year-old daughter, 
And my friends tease me that it's not a matter of if she's going to be an engineer, it's what type of engineer she's going to be. <laughs> yeah, Definitely I have encouraging a yeah, I have a seven-year-old nephew, and my sister has told me that she wants him to be a, an engineer as well. I think for that for that reason, just because of the uh, the lot of things that you can do with it, you know. And, and uh, I think that's that's the main reason. So, uh, next question. Eventually, though, so you worked in in software engineering. You got an MBA. You worked in marketing. You thought you wanted to be a CEO. You thought you eventually thought it was overrated. But eventually, you get to the point where you you decide you're going to go into business for yourself. What motivated you to become self-employed? Well, here's an interesting an interesting thing. In the consulting world, it's relatively common that we get started accidentally. A lot of independent consultants get their start because they have been otherwise liberated for their positions. So my last real job was during the Internet boom, which at this point is more than 15 years ago. Um, and we had a great time building this great Internet company. But when the bubble burst, we crashed and burned like many others, and I found myself looking for a job. Consulting project fell into my lap 20 hours a week for three months, I thought, great, I'll bring in some money while I'm looking for the perfect position. I got four or five weeks into it, and I said, cancel the job search. This is the life. I'm now a consultant. And I never looked back or considered joining a company full-time again. So it was wow, a little bit of an accidental path. Interesting. You know what? Uh, I've, I've done this podcast a few times now, and, and I think you're right. A lot of people, they end up going into business for themselves kind of, it wasn't really planned per se. It was just like you said. You know, you lost a job, and then you had to figure out what to do next. Maybe you went on a few interviews. Nothing really panned out, and then you know they thought, "I'll just do consulting for a little bit while I look for this next job." And then eventually, you say, "You know what? Just like you, I I think I kind of like being my own boss and being self-employed as opposed to being an employee. I'm going to see this whole consulting thing through. So I guess that's that was that's, that's been your experience and quite a few other people's experience too. Right. So one question I, I have is a lot of people that are considering going into business for themselves, they you know, they, they work at a company, they have ideas on what kind of business they want to do. They may be motivated to do it, but an issue that they come across or a lot of people come across it is fear of going into business for yourself. A lot of people would say that working at a company is a lot more secure than having to be responsible for basically everything when you're uh, when you're self-employed. So did you feel any fear in, in starting your own business? And if you did, what did you do to get past that fear? You know, it's interesting, Neil. I hear that a lot, and I hear I hear it talked about. And if you read books or listen to podcasts or look at programs for starting your own business. It talks about that a lot, but I didn't experience that. Um, I didn't experience the fear. Now, of course, at first I did it accidentally, but eventually I had to start, you know, really working hard to build the business and make it a business and turn it into something more than just, you know, accidentally landing some work. Um, but I don't feel fear. We, Many of us who've worked in companies know you can walk in any day and be laid off, not be expecting it. And so you never know when that's going to happen. When you, you're in business for yourself, you know what's going on. You know, you're in control of it. I have complete control over 
how I work and where I work and how much I charge. Now, of course, I have to find people who will buy it, and that's always the hardest part is finding good quality customers. But I'm in control of it all, and I know what's happening. So for me, it seems like there's less fear when I'm in control. You know, I, I would tend to agree with you. You're right. There are a lot of, of articles, podcasts, just a lot of information out there of saying that people are more comfortable working at companies because of the, the job security. But as you noted, there, in this day and age, there is no job security anymore. More and more often jobs are going overseas. You know, companies are downsizing. I just worked um, a company that I worked at a few years ago. I found out a few months ago, maybe a month or so ago, laid off about 80 people. And, you know, I, I doubt those people saw the the layoffs coming, and now now they're out of a job, and then they uh, go go find something else. But as you said, as a as an entrepreneur, as an independent consultant, you you basically know what what's going on at all times. There's no one to to lay you off per se, and and in your business too, I'm guessing you're not you're not dependent on one source of income. You're probably working with numerous people, and you know if one goes away, you always have the others to to fall back on. A, a question that I had. So you started off, even after you, you lost that job during the Internet boom, you said that for three straight months you had 20 hours a week worth of work. How did that work come to you? Is that something that you actually went out and looked for, or did people knew that people found out that you had just lost that job and were coming to you asking for your help? No, it was accidental. I wasn't looking. I wasn't really even considering doing consulting work, and I hear this story a lot. Um, and now I, I speak frequently about starting your own consulting business. So it just found me. Now someone heard that I, that I was out of work, and they called and they said, hey, I have this opportunity, you know, do you want to talk about it? And I thought, well, no, no harm talking about it. So when I speak to groups, I often ask people, um, is anyone doing some consulting work? And then I say, did you go out and seek it or did it just find you? And it's a phenomenon that happens shortly after people are laid off. Uh, people that they've worked with in the past find out, oh, Joe's, Joe's out of work. I have a great project. I've worked with Joe before. I know he does a really good job. Let me call him and see if he'd be available to help. So it's a common thing um, that happens. Now, that's not going to sustain you over a longer term of really building a business, but it makes a lot of people think, oh, this is so easy for the first couple of years because projects just kind of fall into your lap. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's hopefully if, if you do, you know, lose a job and hopefully what would happen to other people hopefully happen, or what happened to you would hopefully happen to other people too, that, you know, jobs kind of fall into their lap, at least for a little while. You know, while you right. bridge, yeah. the, kind of kind of bridge that gap. So another another I think issue that people that are considering going into business for themselves have is just like you said. You know, for the first you know little while, you're kind of getting jobs through just word of mouth or referrals from people that you knew from you know from your past jobs. But at some point, that work is probably dries up or it just isn't enough to sustain you. What what strategies do you use to get new clients? 
So first of all, you're absolutely right. And I see it over and over in now my billable at the beach clients that, and I call it the pent up demand phenomenon. So all the people that you've worked with that want to work with you, that keeps some people going for the first two or three years, and then it dries up exactly what you said. So now I have a very serious marketing, networking, business development strategy. And I mix it up a little bit as I go along because I, I relook at my plan about every four to six months, look at what's working, what's not working, what do I need to do. So my baseline thing that I always do is I do an email blast once a quarter. My list is started out at 100 people 10 years ago, and now I'm up to about 1,000. These are all people that I have at least met in some way who know who I am. Um, and so once a quarter, I send out an email blast. It's just one screen full of information. It serves to remind people that I'm around. So it has my value proposition and then a few bullet points about current projects. So it's not really a newsletter. Um, it, its point really is. And so what happens every time I send that out, at least a few people answer back and go, oh, I'm glad you touched base. I think we might have something for you. Um, and that's a good way to generate leads. I also, every um, about once a year, I relook at what networking groups I'm participating in, and I usually join somewhere between one and three. I become an active participant in a networking group, um, meeting new people. So it's it's a constant goal to meet new people and expand your network because you're always looking for more people who may need what you do. So um, email marketing blast, that's pretty easy once a quarter, ongoing networking groups. And then I set a schedule of each month how many networking events I want to attend and then how many one-on-one -on -one meetings I want to have and what types of people I'm targeting to meet with. And I'll kind of, again, go through different strategies. Sometimes I'll do a kind of a campaign of identifying target companies and meeting with individuals within those target companies. Sometimes I'll go through, I'll take a phase where I go back into my network. You know, I'll literally go back, dig into LinkedIn and look for who's someone that might be a powerful referral source or able to hire me for a project that I haven't thought of or spoke to in a while, and I'll touch base with them. So it's constant, constant. I spend between 10 and 20 hours a week doing networking, marketing, business development to keep my pipeline full. Oh wow, that's that's quite a, quite a bit of time, but you know it's uh, it's necessary, kind of just like you say, you rejuvenate the the pipeline of of clients. Another issue that I think people that are thinking about going into business have, okay, though so there's there's you finally got past the fear of starting your own business. Perhaps you've gotten a few clients too, but then there's always those kind of up and down times. You know, there's a time where there's, there's a whole lot of business, and then there's other times where business is kind of scarce. What strategies do you suggest to help people get through those lean times? Well, so it's a good question. Everyone has dry spells. Nobody likes to talk about it, but we all have them. So there's a couple things you need to do. Um, first of all, you know, once you get going, you need to have a little bit of financial reserve to sustain yourself financially through the drier spells. And I'm 15 years in, and I don't like to admit it or talk about it, but I still do sometimes have dry spells. Even with as much as I focus on my pipeline, th sometimes things just don't line up or projects fall through or whatever it might be. 
Um, so having a financial reserve is one thing, making sure you're focused on your pipeline. Something that I thought about during my last dry spell is I thought, you know, it's always worked out. You'd think that I would be used to it. I've just kind of accepted the fact now that when I have a dry spell, I'm going to be nervous. Um, I'm going to think, is this the time that nothing's going to come through, even though it's always worked out? The other thing is to start building, if you can, other revenue streams, the old multiple streams of revenue. So I have Billable at the Beach, which turned out um, to be really good during the recession because it was somewhat of a countercycle business. Because so many people couldn't find jobs, they were very interested in consulting, so my workshops were packed on helping people start their own consulting businesses. Um, so I think that's really helpful, too, is is multiple streams of income so you're not dependent on just one thing. I also never give all of my capacity to one client. I always have at least two or three active clients, so if one drops out unexpectedly, I haven't lost everything in terms of my incoming revenue. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if you just have one client at a time, you might as well be an employee. Basically, your risk is the same as as being an employee at a company. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but a, but a lot of a lot of people do that because because the networking marketing business development takes so much time. Some people have an opportunity to come along where they can give forty hours a week to one client, and they grab it because they need the work and they're tired of chasing business, um, and and they don't they don't really think through what that's going to mean that they really become a de facto employee that it's almost it's human nature to back off on the pipeline building. Um, and I've seen a lot of people track back to being a corporate employee because of that decision. Oh, I, I fully agree with you, Amy. Even for myself personally, there was a time when, when that, 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 that happened to me exactly. I was working basically working as, a, as an employee, essentially, as a company, since there was no other time to to work, to do any kind of other kind of work for us, for other people. In fact, I was so much and basically an employee that I even went into the office of that company and worked there as a, basically as an employee. You wouldn't be able to tell that I wasn't, you know, a W-2 employee. And then, you know, eventually the, the contract was supposed to last for a year. It got cut after five months. And here I am, you know, looking for my next opportunity again. If I had, you know, had multiple you know, multiple clients at that time, I wouldn't have, have basically lost all of my income in, in one fell swoop. So for anyone listening, right. it's, it's really important to just have multiple, as, as you said, multiple streams of income. Never depend on one source of income for your entire livelihood. I fully agree with you. Right. Absolutely. So tell me a bit about Tell me a bit about your companies. Uh, you have Razzle Associates, and then you also have Billable at the Beach. What exactly do they entail? So Rastel Associates is what I refer to as my core practice. That's how I got started first. I've talked about the fact that I'm a software engineer by background, went to business school, spent several years in marketing, have a lot of cross-functional experience. Um, Toward the end of my corporate, uh, large corporate medical device career, I ended up back in R&D running large product development programs, which I really enjoyed. So I realized what I'm really good at doing is getting things done. So I go in with a client, the executives set the programs and strategies, I come in and focus on implementation and execution. So everything from 30,000 feet, you know, down to ground level, 
um, breaking it down into whatever bite-sized pieces is appropriate. So for the shipping clerk working on the loading dock, they may need hourly instructions for what they need to be doing to meet the objectives of the project. Um, Higher-level managers may just need monthly goals. So breaking it down into the right pieces, which allows people to be to know what they need to do and be empowered to move toward whatever the goal of the project is. And I really enjoy doing that. So that's what I do in my core practice. My experience is in software and medical devices, so that's mostly where I focus. Um, and then I also have Billable at the Beach, which I've, I've been doing Rousel Associates for a little over 15 years. Then eight years ago, what happened is I mentioned that I send out my quarterly email blasts to service leads. So every time I would get a few people who would say, you know, I don't have a project for you, but I've been thinking about being an independent consultant. Could we get together and talk? So I would think, what do I want to tell them? What do I love? What do I hate? What do I wish I would have known? What would I do differently? So I started, as I started meeting with these people, I started to accumulate a body of information, and I was asked that so frequently that I realized the market was really asking for a program like Billable at the Beach, which gives people a jump start to, um, to start their independent consulting practices. And it's a very practical approach, and it really is um, everything I wish I would have known, right? It's all, all the points that I make in it are all of the mistakes that I, that I made. So I can tell people exactly how to get started um, and avoid the mistakes that I made, right? I learned all this stuff the hard way. And then I also like to assume that people need to make money, right? That's why we work. We have, we have to pay for things that we need for ourselves. Some of us have families that we need to pay for. So I assume that people need to generate revenue as quickly as they possibly can. So I really focus on helping people take one step at a time and get money in a, coming in as quickly as they can. And then at the same time, while they're making money, start putting the other things in place to make their business um, sustainable and to make it grow and to do some of the other little infrastructure things. But you can really get started as a consultant making money right away without doing very much of that stuff. And I think that's what attracts so many of us to start our own consulting business. You don't have to buy a building. You don't have to buy a franchise. It doesn't cost very much to get started. Oh, wow, excellent. And Billable at the Beach, you mentioned that your background is in IT and medical device, but the the people that come to you for Billable at the Beach, they don't necessarily have to work in those fields. You're giving them advice or tools that are industry agnostic? Exactly, yes, definitely. Okay, excellent, excellent. Wow, that sounds great. Uh, Another question that I have is, especially for people that are starting out with their business, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Cash is king. You need to be very uh, uh, frugal with it. Uh, just, just, you have to be very knowledgeable of, of where your money is going. What would you say is a priority to spend money on when something that you could skimp on? In terms of your business? So I think um, everyone should have business cards, first of all. And I speak sometimes to people who are in tra- transition, so people who have lost their jobs. 
and I tell them every whatever day of the week I'm speaking to them, I say your assign one of your assignments is to have business cards by Friday. It's just an expected business thing that when you're meeting with people, people say, "Oh, do you have a card?" You should really never be in a position to say no. And if it's fine if your business card just says your name, your email address, and your phone number, and you can go to Staples or Office Depot for twenty dollars and get you know choose a logo out of a stock book and have a nice little card. I also think if you're going to build a sustainable consulting business, um, you're positioning yourself as a professional. You're asking to be paid good money, and you're walking in as an expert in your field. You need to have a professional website. So I don't think you have to have that day one, but if you're intending to build an ongoing consulting business, I think it's important. And I think unless you build websites as your business that you shouldn't do your own, someone else should do it so it looks professional. The thing about being a consultant on your own is now that my business card no longer says Hewlett Packard or some name that everyone recognizes, it's more important than ever before to be professional. But honestly, beyond business cards and a website, um, there's not very much you need to spend money on. Most of us already have a cell phone. Uh, It's nice to have a decent computer, but that's not that expensive these days. So really, you know, a couple thousand dollars at the most, and, and you're looking pretty good to get started. And then as you move along, you invest in a nice logo, and you inv- invest in some good photographs of yourself, and um, then you start thinking about what other software systems do I need to incorporate. So there are a lot of things that follow on, but just getting started, you really don't need to spend very much money. That, again, uh, that's the... That's that's the bonus of a consulting business as opposed to other types of business. Um, the thing is, it also means that, that we have more competition because there are no real barriers to entry. The real barrier to entry is your pipeline, right? It's the commitment to spending all of that time. So the investment is more time than um, you know capital purchases. But of course, time is money, so... You're investing that time, and if you can't get business coming in right away or enough, it may mean that your investment is just paying your living expenses while you're ramping it up. Right, right. Well, this is this is all excellent to know. So I guess we can kind of wind things down, but for my last question, for those that are, those that are listening that are contemplating self-employment, what advice would you have for them? Uh, First of all, I love it. I've been doing it for 15 years, freedom, flexibility, control. I can't imagine going back. Also, the work is interesting. The clients are interesting. It's always changing. So I love it. And I say do it. But here's the thing. You have to be committed. Um, If you're not committed, it takes a lot of hard work. So I often ask new Billable at the Beach clients, do you need to make six figures? Because if you don't, if you're not committed to making six figures, you're probably not going to do the hard work that it requires. Um, But if all the things we've talked about today sound good, I say jump in with both feet with everything and give it the best go that you possibly can. Excellent, excellent. Well, with that, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast, Amy. Where can people find you? They can find me at www.rasdal.com, R-A-S is in Sam, D is in David, A-L, and at billableatthebeach.com. 
www.bluebloodthebeach.com. Excellent, Lucifer. Any of, any of you all that are considering going into business for yourselves, as, uh, specifically as independent consultants, Amy Razdell would be the person to speak to. Again, thanks for being on the podcast, Amy. Speak to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Neil Thompson Speaks, everyone. To learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, you can visit neilthompsonspeaks.com. That's N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You can also check me out on my social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website to all those social media platforms. In addition, there's a link to this podcast on the website as well. Until next time, please take care.